0: And welcome to episode three, episode three, that's where I want to be. Hello, this is episode three of Dear Percival. Yes, it is. Now, this is a special podcast showcasing the character Danny Savarino. And it's called Dear Percival because Danny Savarino writes a diary he calls Dear Percival. And this is all about that and him. Oh, And this is all one of the characters from... The brilliant new novel by Mr. DJ Swales called People of Bloomsbury. And this podcast showcases Danny. Yes. <laughs> now this is episode three. I may have mentioned that it's episode three. Um and this episode is called Goodbye India, and that carries on the 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 the, 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 the history of Mr. Bootle. From the Druid's Eye Bookshop, and we shall carry on with it right now. Are you ready? Quick scratch. Right, here we go. Goodbye, India. With moistened cheeks, Mr. Bootle once described to me how his father's heart was shattered on the chime of midnight when the native crowds reclaimed Shimla from Great Britain by sprinting down its high street at the precise moment of India's independence. Although, I must say, he also sobs such tears recounting the confessionary memoirs of his father that I could almost imagine they are his own recollections. Mm. The bookshops were sold and within a month the family was sailing for England on a boat bursting with the Shimla governesses scouring the decks for the last single army officer to leave India. We lined up at the docks, tears flowing from our eyes like warm ghee. My initials are still carved on Bombay's gateway arch from where we headed towards our unknown fate, carrying almost nothing but a love of books and masala chai, Mr. Bootle confided. My father Noah and mother Beatrice continued their trade by establishing the Druid's Eye right here in Bloomsbury. I once overheard him talking about an Oxford branch that had opened and closed within two years, situated in the cellars of Saxon Tower, the city's oldest building. From what I've gathered, the bookshop was frequented by several future dictators and all of the city's literary luminaries, but fell victim to a mysterious scandal. At times I have wondered if an omen occurred in Oxford, like that which preceded the closure of the Calcutta's Eye of Shiva years before. There, the voluptuous Langer Monkey broke his chain, sending the children of several VVIPs scattering in fear of their lives. He dashed to freedom up a huge fig tree and refused to come down, said Mr. Bootle. When I look back now, I realise it was our equivalent of the ravens fleeing the Tower of London. Oh, the shop's fall was assured. What happened to him? I asked. He was glimpsed occasionally, surrounded by a harem of macaques whose terror had been transformed into insatiable adoration. The week I started work, Mr. Bootle confided that his family now resided at the end of a mud track on an isolated outcrop of Ireland's Dingle Peninsula. Both my parents are still very much alive. Frightful ages, of course. After years of fussy customers, they don't like people much. "'anymore, so the wilds of the Irish coast "'are the perfect place for them. "'On most days, the drizzle keeps away the tourists. "'On the day, it doesn't. "'Both they and my five brothers "'tramp up and down the beach, praying like rabid donkeys. "'It assures them their solitude. "'I guess people would stay away. "'So where do they shop for groceries?' "'I asked, acting as if everything I'd heard "'was completely normal.' There are a few little villages around, explained Mr Bootle, but otherwise they are happy foraging for seaweed and seagull eggs. And Mother bakes the most wonderful spelt bread, which they slather with Irish butter. Sounds yummy, so artisanal, I said. Of course, it was the butter that first lured them there. Mother churned it herself, but she had to start buying the milk. When they first arrived, the cows had been happy to oblige her under cover of darkness. The impish Mr. Bootle has never married and remains, as far as I know, though I have never asked, childless. Also, the oldest customers of the shop, who have resided in Bloomsbury for decades, cannot recall ever setting eyes on his parents or his five brothers. Mr. Bootle once explained this away unsolicitedly, saying, Bless my mother! She found emeralds and pigeon blood rubies soon into the spine of one of the few books she bought from Bombay. Ironically, the riches were found in a first edition of Oliver Twist, though its previous owner was a Maharaja in Darjeeling. After a gem sale at Sotheby's, I stayed in London to tend to the shop. Now and again, I send my family books that might break their boredom as they scour the horizon for interlopers. Why did they choose to live in one of Ireland's top tourist destinations? I asked, if privacy is so critical. Dolphins! Mr. Bootle quickly changed the subject. Danny, did you check the latest deliveries from Patience Virtue? There were a number of large estate sales this month. There is often more to the druid's eye than people first suspect. After the first full moon following the offer of employment, I walked to the back of the druid's eye and removed my shoes. Leaving them at the top of the stairs, I crept into the cellar. I must be as quiet as a church mouse, I thought, in case the great Mrs. Garib was engaged in a card reading or a bespoke crystal selection. From her sessions with me, I knew her candlelit room well, next to Mr. Bootle's tiny office. "'I can't hear her,' I thought, listening for signs of her gravelly voice. "'I crept forward like a thief in Aladdin's cave, "'respectful of the mystic's great concentration "'and the nerves of her client if there was a sudden noise in the hallway. "'Before approaching a hand-painted door with architectural scenes from India "'with Mr. Bootle's name designed in a flowery pearl paint, "'I was seized by the oddest urge. "'I was drawn, step by step, to the darker end of the hallway,' next to a larger group seance room. In the gloom, a compulsion made me try the handle of a door I barely noticed before. Locked and cold. Very, very cold. Like a freezer. I ran my fingers across its surface. It's metal. Perhaps lead, I thought. A variety of permanent pen markings, plastered notices, and large triangular warning stickers, like something out of Chernobyl, warned, Keep out! Or, Do not enter! ever. I backed away with a strange and swelling feeling in my stomach. As an employee, I was keen to know more about that forbidden room. I headed back to Mr. Bootle's office. I raised my hand to knock on his door just as it creaked open. Surprised, hairs prickled on my neck as my boss emerged like a squinting mole rat. He checked both ways, brought his finger to his lips then tugged me inside by the scruff of my shirt. Thank you. And there we have the end of episode three. That was the end of Goodbye India, which is all part of the character Danny Savarino and his history. We will get to the day Percival's in time. Do not fear. Don't fret. Now, all this, all this, is part of the People of Bloomsbury, the most wonderful novel by Mr. DJ Swales, available on Amazon right now. So get over there, lickety-split, and you order yourself a copy. And within a millisecond, a trice, a mere, mere passing second, Oh, uh, I don't know what I'm talking about now, it will be in your Kindle. And you can read the thing and enjoy the look of it. Oh, it's a wonder. It's a wonder. And you'll find myriad characters in there. You're bound to fall in love with one. Mm. You'll be crying, crying, laughing. It's a wonderful book. So there we are. People at Bloomsbury. DJ Swales. Danny Savarino. Dear Percival. Wonderful stuff. Thank you. We shall return with episode four very, very soon.